You're listening to The Tidbit, brought to you by Curate. I'm your host and the CEO of Curate, Kim Bryden. Do you run a small business or have dreams to start one? Well, here at The Tidbit, we've got your back. We talk through tidbits of knowledge around starting or running a small business with a food and beverage lens. I think success in this field is counter to the narrative that was taught when I was a kid. You're not on your own. But that that community of support, like connections that you build, really can influence that success. At the core of what Forge does, of what I think I'm on a path of doing, is helping people understand you don't need these billions of dollars to exact change, and it happens very incrementally. We're back. It has been two years since the last episode of The Tidbit, and wow, haven't we just all grown so, so much? I mean, I certainly have, and so has Curate. In fact, if you're just tuning into the tidbit for your first time or want a refresher, we last left off on the road for a special series called The Tidbit Takes the Road. I set off on a cross-country journey to learn more about how small businesses, main streets, cities, and economic development departments were innovating and adapting during the COVID-19 public health emergency. This trip was transformative, to say the least. Uh, for myself in so many ways, but also for Curate. And this journey led me to this vibrant corner of Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas to be exact, where I stumbled upon a community of people who are reimagining community-based businesses in the backyards of some of our largest businesses in America. And two years later, we now have a second hub of Curate's operations in the heartland in Northwest Arkansas. So this trip led to an expansion from the Mid-Atlantic, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, all the way to Arkansas. And in setting up interviews for the tidbit, you know, going to outdoor meetings and virtual meetings in general, I would often just cold email folks. And sometimes I would make a connection that led me to another connection and so on and so forth, uh, which is how I was introduced to our new season, inaugural guests here on the episode today. I am getting teary-eyed um, as I tell you this all, but I would not be who I am today without the support and partnership, confidence and companionship that Jeanette and Philip have shown me and curate over the past two years. To be in partnership with people who just get it and get you is truly a blessing, and I am deeply grateful and honored to have them on the show today. So with all of that said, on this episode of The Tidbit, we sit down with Jeanette Baeza-Collins and Philip Adams. A neurodivergent whole-brainer, Jeanette is a consultant and resource connector who loves, loves, loves founders of all kinds. She has worked in entrepreneurial ecosystem building for over 12 years in Northwest Arkansas, and she is passionate about integrative and inclusive innovation. Philip spent four years prostrate to the higher mind, got his papers in Spanish and theater, and was free to walk about. And how? 
pointing a very crooked line through a variety of industries, settings, and roles, leading him to settle in and bring him closer to fine at Forge Inc. Welcome, Philip and Jeanette. Hi. Hello. I'm really glad that both of you are here. This is just feels like a very beautiful homecoming to restart the tidbit in this new season with both of you. Yay. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. <laughs> it's an exciting circular moment. So we're really honored to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Mm. Well, Philip, I'd love to start with you and hear more about what led you to this role of executive director of Forge. What do you feel called you to this work? And perhaps you can share a little bit about Forge's roots in agriculture and maybe your own. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I got involved with Forge in 2018 as a board member. And I think what drew me to Forge is their the social justice aspect of finance. Their mission is access to capital and really sort of looking at this big, hairy institution of money and who may not have the same keys to get in the front door as others. And so I like that part of the work. It's meaningful work in that and can be motivating on days where you're stuck in spreadsheets and need motivation. You know, mm -hmm. um, I like that. But for it's been around since 1988 and really got started through organic agriculture. There was an organic agriculture conference in Southwest Missouri addressing the Ozarks bioregion. So we're looking at Eastern Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas, and Southwest Missouri. And a group of people got together and um, theorized a set of organizations that needed to be founded in order to support local agriculture and organic agriculture, and Forge was among them. And so it was founded, I think there were, this is oral history more than anything else, but the story goes, there were 11 people who were the first members uh, and started Forge with about $11,000 and began lending across the table to which farmers needed it. And have since we've grown our membership, lending outside of that table, bringing in new members, as well as new capital. So we're now revolving about $12 million. 11,000 uh, to 12 million. Yeah. Wow. And sort of really appreciate the extra look and the like, I think we welcome the weird business plans, right? We we have an eye and an ear to say, well, tell us the story. If the numbers work, the numbers work, regardless of if, how, how weird your widgets are to us. I had a couple of years in organic farming in Tennessee and went through a process of trying to explain sort of regenerative agriculture to a traditional ag lender in rural Tennessee and just the dumbfounded looks on his face as to what we were trying to do and explain to him the numbers worked. We knew what we could sell things for, our costs, our revenues, but it just couldn't click for him that we would be able to make money this way. Um, so I feel a lot of that mm. from a lot of our borrowers. That's pretty remarkable. And I'll just reemphasize that Forge is a CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution. Yeah. And everything you've just said really puts community in that word, in Community yeah. Development Financial Institution, really hearing people 
about where they are and trusting them that they have the wisdom and know their numbers, of course, um, yeah. but really yeah. listening and being empathetic and hearing people that there are unique new innovations that maybe you don't know about, but that doesn't mean that they're not real and valid. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. And Jeanette, your work is also so much about building inclusive ecosystems. I mean, that has been your grounding as, as long as I have known you. And so I am so curious about your why and why you do this work and why you do what you do as such an ecosystem builder. Well, I thank you, first of all, and I'm really excited to listen to Philip's story and also the oral history of Forge because, you know, that really encompasses why I do the work that I do. I'm very much um, driven by finding ways to reinforce how humans can get what we crave very naturally, which is autonomy and connection. And I really believe it's from that connectivity and also that liberation that we can imagine new futures. And so the story of coming or going from $11,000 and then I think humans just have a tendency to think about how to make things more beautiful and how to solve our own challenges and doing that side by side with people. So that in essence is kind of my um, perspective on how to build community and with entrepreneurial ecosystem building those are the building blocks. You know, it doesn't matter how large the company is or how small um, someone perceives an idea to be, it's all coming from people. And so when I look at working with aspiring entrepreneurs or serial entrepreneurs or people who are um, vying to be an entrepreneur in a much larger organization, I always um, encourage people to think about what is it that energizes them? What is it that they see that they can kind of lean forward with their unique gifts to make a difference? And I think entrepreneurship is like the ultimate creative outlet for exercising agency and helping other people. Um, I kind of came from this, also my mastery, I actually took a Y.OS like assessment. I'm a self-knowledge nerd. <laughs> and so I take all the assessments, um, but one of those, was a friend of mine's. Um, it was his kind of entrepreneurial journey to figure out how do we figure out our why in a much more efficient manner. And so he created this app and I ended up being one of the rarest whys, which is mastery. So it's really is just learning for the sake of learning and curiosity. And I'm very people oriented. And so I really see that as kind of what drives me to talking to people like Philip, talking to people like, you know, any number of entrepreneurs, including yourself, I really get pumped up when I hear about your vision. And then it becomes, how do we start lining up um, the resources to make it happen and the community to where you feel like you're not doing that alone? Mm, that is remarkable. And I think this really leans into my next question for you both, which is if someone wants to start or grow a business in Northwest Arkansas, hearing all of these core tenets of both of you, community, listening to big vision, connections with people, what would be your advice in entering this market? Because it is unique. And so I'm curious what you believe also makes this entrepreneurship environment in Northwest Arkansas unique as well. So what would be your advice to start or grow 
And how might this differ from maybe other markets? I would say, which is very on brand for me, is to start with a beginner's mindset, you know, really approaching every conversation as an opportunity to learn from whoever's across the table or around the table with you. I think that Northwest Arkansas is very unique. Um, We have a lot of wealth and philanthropy, as well as incredible intentions and also kind of a fearlessness of building something that is indeed world-class and that is our own brand um, of the region. And then I also think we have a lot of work to do um, to really make connections across different segments of our population who are working towards the same goals. And we're starting to see that um, more and more. And so I'm a big believer of effective altruism. Um, Victor Huang talks about that. He's the founder of Right to Start, but before that he wrote The Rainforest. And it has so many concepts um, that really talks about the biodiversity of any kind of community. And so really working in the seams, paying it forward and thinking not first, like how can I serve my specific self-interest, but how can I really become part of the fabric of the community, I think is always very effective. One of the things I hear all the time is that, um, you know, if you have the intention and if you have the interest and the energy, you can get really connected to a lot of decision makers and a lot of innovators really quickly. Um, Most people here are very open to having a conversation and then it becomes um, the onus on the founder to be able to invite people and tell their story to figure out how to help. So um, always thinking about how to pay it forward, also how to be helpful um, and really thinking about it for a long-term view, which is which sounds luxurious, especially for startups when our runway is so small. So it really is a mindset shift, but the ones that I see approach it that way, and I would count you among them, I have mm. seen be very, very successful in that realm. Yeah, thank you. I I would wholeheartedly agree that there, this is a community that is open to having conversations and sharing interests and cross collaboration of like, oh, this is what I'm working on. This is what you're working on. Where might there be an interesting parallel for us to go at this thing together? And I and I love this example you said of like weaving the fabrics and being in the seams. I think that that's mm-hmm. a really beautiful way to think about, um, especially in a market that's smaller than an East coast market, as an example, the, the ways in which you can be a part of that community fabric, um, are just really apparent because everyone, I'm not going to say everyone knows each other, but there's just a lot of really beautiful, um, possibilities that can emerge by talking with one another and seeing things from that collaborative lens. And so Philip, I was curious your perspective on this. So distinguishing Northwest Arkansas from other markets, the amount of activity support in that community, I think is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. That, as Jeanette said, if if you were interested in getting involved, <laughs> you will not get to the end of the list. <laughs> so many involved, places, yes. Right? So much work to do. <laughs> um, and I think that is a big stark contrast, right? Uh, 
And in terms of being a voice, I think you can have like a, a voice and influence those votes at the table is it's not that there's less than six degrees of separation, but they're real quick to get mm -hmm. across those numbers, right? It's, um, no, 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 I'm not on that council that makes those decisions, but, you know, um, my brother's uncle's sister is, and we have coffee <laughs> every third Tuesday. And so why don't you join us? It's the third Tuesday is tomorrow. And then it just goes from there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so I would say, true. I think, uh, Likewise, it's fortunate that Northwest Arkansas had kind of a economic trend upward, like just a, a slow, steady growth in light of everything else going on around us. And I think that's been helpful for lots of people who wanted to start a business here. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've found when thinking about new markets for Curate that there's this stickiness, I guess is the best way I can put it when thinking about a new market where the consumers of a particular area are conscious of their decisions and ways they want to move throughout the world. In Northwest Arkansas, it touts itself as 300 miles of bike trails. There's just a growing movement around health and wellness in the community. Um, Fayetteville has a robust sustainability plan. There's uh, composting <laughs> from the city. Plus there's this really important, um, like we're talking about startup ecosystem that is just opening doors constantly for new people to come with their, whether it be rec tech or ag tech or med tech or biotech innovations. Plus some key anchor institutions who have the ability to really catalyze for us at Curate their purchasing power to then uplift and empower those who are in that more creative class or startup community. And so when I think about the region, those three things together, the consumer base that is a conscious consumer or growing in conscientiousness about how they're buying and what they're putting into their bodies, a support system around startups and innovation, and anchor institutions who have real power and influence, that uh, together is very interesting for us at Curate. And so thank you for just illuminating how special it is, the startup culture in Northwest Arkansas. And I'm curious what has excited both of you in maybe the past, I don't know, year, six months, even what, what do you see as areas of opportunity for growth knowing that there's so much already, where are those maybe blind spots that we could see something emerging from? New ownership models. Mm. Uh, a better distribution of wealth across labor. Mm. It's a big one. Yeah. Just to this put just a, a tiny little, just a yes. tiny little <laughs> thing but in the bucket. But that's what's exciting yeah. me lately. That really yeah. is what excited me lately is because when I look at like, good jobs, stable jobs, really nice, like jobs for people. It's really hard, especially in startups to make those numbers work, right? In terms of like, especially for those that are new to business in general, how can we make sure 
everybody's taken care of along the way as we're building this shiny, pretty thing, right? We're all, everybody's trying to put out the shiny, pretty thing, whether it's a food to eat or a service to provide or whatever it is, the shiny, pretty thing. And that bling sometimes casts shadows. And I want to mm-hmm. like find ways to get everybody shiny. Yeah, I love that. Well, and this is why I'm so thrilled that Philip has um, leaned into the social justice event of capital formation, because I feel similarly. And I've been, you know, throughout the pandemic, and then the new, the quote unquote, new normal, and really, the new inventiveness that's come from this. I'm very, very excited about the decentralization of many of the things um, that have been long laid structures that have left a lot of people out of the conversation. So more independent media and distributed media networks, more creator economy, creators period, who are able to put um, their perspective that comes from myriad lived experiences so that we can be mirrors for one another, that we can start thinking about, okay, how do we collectively heal, find our own voices, and then start to step into the agency as emergent funders, as emergent um, leaders, entrepreneurs, all across the table. I get very excited about diversifying the capital stack and figuring out different ways that meet entrepreneurs where they are and where their trust level is um, in communities where they feel calm to start creating. And so Forge has been a wonderful partner. I serve on the board for Southern Capital Project um, and we are standing up a micro lending fund. I'm also seeing more things happening in Web3 where you have different groups who are really coming together based on ideas and a just cause and using new ways to build treasuries. I'm seeing bands of people who are just pooling their funds together in GoFundMes to be able to help diverse entrepreneurs create and open up a storefront, you know, with mutual aid with peer-to-peer mentorship with all these different things um, that are available to us that we may not have recognized and so i think the alumni of curate courses is also you know you don't have to look far to find tons of examples of this because it really is more so standing up in the community and being free to ask for what you need and then you know, gathering more people who are more than happy to provide whatever they have um, in service to that to that mission or that vision. And so anyway, I get super excited because I'm starting to notice it happen, how people are using their own relational capital, their social capital, their intellectual capital. And that's what gets me really, really, really excited. Hmm. Well, thank you for the the Curate Courses shout out too, because this fall actually will be two years since our first cohort ever in Arkansas, supported by Ooh. Forge. And Jeanette, <laughs> you were a judge at our final capstone event. And uh, the winner of that particular cohort, Ashami T, went on from having a direct to consumer business to opening up a brick and mortar and now has mm-hmm. a whole tea house. So you're right, being able to see this 
remarkable growth and next steps, not 10 years later, but only within two years later is really, really awesome to see. And I want to double down on something you were sharing, which is a core value at Curate is curiosity. And we define that as why do we always have to do things the way they've been done? (laughs) And so just looking at the systems that currently exist and asking the question like, oh, well, why does it have to be that way? What might we, you know, brainstorm and come up with together that's unique and innovative and a new way of approaching this challenge. And from the bottom of my heart, I cannot emphasize how much both of you exemplify that and how much it brings me so much joy to be in partnership and collaboration. I'm like getting goosebumps even saying this (laughs) because you two, honestly, that is where your heart is and where you lead from. And it's so apparent. Thank you. Well, I, well, I remember wearing my fanny pack for a full year or longer. (laughs) Your curate fanny pack? (laughs) Yes. With the shift the dollar, because I think that really is at the core of what Forge does, of what I think I'm on a path of doing, hopefully with more frequency, is helping people understand you don't need these billions of dollars to exact change. And it happens very incrementally through behavioral change. And I think with Northwest Arkansas, really leading into integrative health and thinking about behavior change and food systems and you know, all the things that affect our micro decisions day in and day out. And I think that's what really resonated with me when I first met you, thinking about how you've built a model um, based on that philosophy. And so Mm -hmm. it's been really, really amazing to see the leadership identities um, coming out of these cohorts. And then, and it doesn't stop in the business. Like it really has been, um, yeah, it's been feeding my hope muscle, which we all needed to stretch, I think, after some really hard times that still continue, but um, seeing more people step up as community members and then, you know, leading in their own circles and then seeing that being reinforced. And I've seen some of these folks run for office, seen some of these folks um, create kind of community collectives. And Mm -hmm. I think I've seen tons of ambassadors for Ashami Tea. And what was remarkable about that day was the core tenant even of that founder saying, I want these tea bags to be more sustainable. And so I'm our, you know, it wasn't like I'm not selling these, but I can improve upon this, which I think is wonderful modeling for all of the entrepreneurs. It's like even my micro decisions as a savvy business person who's really, really minding my margins, doing the right thing, doing the right thing, even though it's harder and no one's pushing me to do it. Um, I think that has been really exciting to see. Mm-hmm. Did you have a something percolating, Philip, as another thought there? Not especially. What, maybe a bit, I, <laughs> a reminder, I think, to a couple conversations we've had for for both beginners in that beginner mindset and Jeanette, as you described, with these emerging leaders creating new community outposts and gathering uh, spots, is that like 
I think success in this field is counter to the narrative that was taught when I was a kid, right? Like you're not on your own. Mm. You're, you in fact do not, A, have to do it all alone. B, get full credit for doing it all alone, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Neither of those are true, but that that community of support, that that like connections that you build really can influence that success, right? And as we, like we see people mentoring up and looking for mentors, whether formally or informally, and we've seen like, I think the best success comes from people who are really just one or two years removed from the stage that you are, right? Absolutely. The mistakes that I made two years ago are still pretty fresh on my mind. They're not as big of a deal emotionally for me anymore, but they're still there and I can help you through those. Whereas like if I'm 20 years out from those mistakes, I might be a little more, you know, just less informed about where you're feeling and how you're getting through it. Um, So just, I think the more of those connections, groups with shared, I think community goals will form more of those relationships. Mm. Yeah, no one was talking to us. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no one was talking to us about the importance of third spaces, you know, and hollowing out these places where you can find others who you can resonate with. And I think that has been exactly... Yeah, the transformation in my mind too, and I'm seeing it with a lot of people, is it's not who sits at the pinnacle of wisdom who can like roll down these pearls that I can try to implement even though it feels weird (laughs) versus meeting other people that I can, when they talk, I lean forward because I know that they literally were, you know, inhabiting the same mental space as I was a year earlier um in their business so yeah it's wonderful I'm very very happy that we are turning this corner (laughs) what I think is also very cool is that both of you touched on new ways of deploying financial capital but now you're also talking about the building of social capital and how both of those are so intertwined on this business growth journey that each of us is on and as every small business owner is on and I guess I'm going to make a crazy segue here, (laughs) but is there no place to build social capital than over a meal? And so last thing that we're going to add to the tidbit this season is a fun question to learn a little bit more about you two. And I am really wanting to know what is your go-to dish to bring to a dinner party? Philip, do you have a go-to? Oh yeah. So I, I think the first time I took this to a dinner party, it was to um, a theater potluck in college. Um, and it's like such a hit. It's uh, it's a like loaf of French bread hollowed out with spinach artichoke dip and like melty cheese on top. And then you slice it. And so it's like a little lovely boat bite every time. Mm. Um, that's a big one. Now, I also have really gotten in, I did this with a curate event, but like it's really gotten into like the, the simple forgotten. Like I brought fresh bread with homemade honey butter. Mm, like, yeah. Because it just, 
beats most complex things I could possibly whip up. It's mm-hmm. so good and simple. Here, I thought you were going to disclose that one time you gussied up popcorn. That was also delicious. Yes, that's a favorite for sure. But that feels more like um, I did have popcorn at my wedding when oh. I got married. Mm-hmm. That was like three or four flavors of infused oil popcorn Ooh. that my dad made because he's the popcorn guy. Okay. (laughs) This is new information. Oh, Oh, I really think we're going to need to have a a sharing of all of this potluck soon. Mm. Jadette, how about you? What is your go-to dish? I was cracking up because I was like, I bring flowers. (laughs) (laughs) I often bring flowers. I'm not going to lie. But I also am incredibly inconsistent because I'm always trying something new. So I can't say that I have a go-to dish, but I will lean heavily on desserts. Like I'm a little bit more for the frivolous things, not frivolous, but to me, the indulgent things that a lot of people won't do because everyone's busy thinking about the course. So I'm like the flourish of the flowers and the dessert and the decadence. And I am someone who will use it as an opportunity to introduce people to local businesses. Mm -hmm. So I've got, yeah, so I'm all the time. I mean, Rock and Baker was a go-to because I'm with Philip. I'm like, those just like comforting carbs. You can't go wrong. Um, in terms of dessert, which I need to explore, but bliss, bliss always have incredible cupcakes, mm-hmm. um, and alchemy, wonderful macarons. And I'm a big fan of Mia tarts. I think Mafe is amazing and so creative. Um, but yeah, you are I bringing the vibes. Up. Yes, I that is your it. dish to a dinner party, the vibes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Wild Hickory Homestead. She's like my go-to for flowers. Mm. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful and dripping springs from ONF. I mean, we could, I remember meeting up with you at the co-op and just being like, we did a whole Ozark Natural oh. Foods co-op grocery walk and you were like, and this we is a local did. business and that's the person you need to meet. Mm, yes, that's my kind of grocery store uh, hang sesh. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, or I will ask a family member, like my dad makes the best lumpia egg rolls. And so when he's in town, I always make him bring me a ton frozen. Ooh, yum. Yep, yep. (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for being here on the tidbit. Um, I know that everyone listening is going to just be so enamored with both of you as I am. So thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you too. We're so happy you're here. Oh, thank you. Welcome. This is the tidbit brought to you by Curate. We'd love it if more budding entrepreneurs and listeners like you could find out about the tidbit. Our mission at Curate includes the sharing of education and access to resources. And the best way to reach more folks like you is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would be so appreciative if you could head over to your app, leave a little tidbit on there about what you learned here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And until next time, remember to scale thoughtfully and source locally.